You're listening to a podcast from the Media Motel. Coming up this week in episode 585, Mary McCartney's new documentary on Abbey Road, The Guardian's Obsession with Good Deeds, and Online Gurus, Are They the Truth Tellers or Grifters? That's all coming up after Spiritualized and Do It All Over Again.
still going strong, both recording and live. Festival dates are being organised for summer 2023. This is from my favourite spiritualised album, Let It Come Down, from Hmm. 2001, spiritualised and do it all over again. I'm a big fan of them. I think they're great. Um, The sometime bassist, I don't think he's been for some time, Will Carruthers, I told him give a talk in a record shop once about his book and he was a delightful chap. And um, But yeah, I'm a big fan of spiritualising the sound they have probably it's ladies and gentlemen we're floating in space for me but th- mm. i remember thinking how good let it come down let it all come down was as a follow-up to that given that that record is almost impossible to follow up so so actually mm. yeah big big uh big big keen on both of those records i i, I like the sort of everything and the kitchen sink production yes wall of sound yes exactly Although a friend of mine bless her saw them somewhere i think it might have been the royal albert hall touring um uh, ladies and gentlemen and she said it was they was had such a beautiful restful sound that she slept <laughs> for most of the gig she just sat in she just sat in a comfy seat at the royal albert hall and just slept she said it was one of the <laughs> nicest experiences she's ever had just being lulled to sleep and what i sense was quite an expensive seat by oh. spiritualized wow Welcome to Parish Council, episode mm. 585. I'm Terence Stackham. And did Prince William shove her into a dog bowl and break her necklace? Let's find out. Juliet Harris. <laughs> I mean, what do you even say, frankly? I can't remember the last time somebody pushed me over. Clearly, I'm living a very uneventful life and I don't have dogs. So um, apart from that, uh, he's yeah. in a pod, me and, me and old hats. But anyway, hello, everyone. I hope Christmas and the new year were kind to everybody. Uh, yeah. I, I know it can be a difficult time for some. Yes, absolutely. Uh, I happened to be driving through central London shortly before Christmas. And, mm. of course, this gave us an opportunity to see the Christmas lights in London, mm. which they don't seem to um, generate the levels of enthusiasm mm. and excitement they once did. But anyway, all the brightness and glare um, reminded me and um I just was thinking of this only about five, ten minutes ago, and I thought, I, I must mention this. It reminded me of the mm. worst Oxford Street Christmas lights ever. Oh, gosh, okay. It was, it was 1978. Well, I'm glad it wasn't last year. I'm glad that not no, everything no, about before your time. Grateful. That's something, yeah. My my girlfriend and I were really excited to hear the lights in Oxford Street. 1978 were going to be lasers. Oh, my word. This was space age stuff. And, that you know, was exciting in 1978. Absurdly thrilling indeed. But oh, the harsh reality. And you can actually Google this. I did it about two or three minutes before okay. we, we kicked off. You can Google and see what I mean. There was one thin red and one thin blue beam of light. Right. Distantly related to laser beams. It, they sort of drearily shone along bits mm. of dark and foggy Oxford Street and it, it it really had all the glamour as if some poor soul was standing there with torches with bits <laughs> of coloured plastic over the bulbs oh no it was the most dis- depressing Christmas scene since Charles Dickens I am sorry to hear that but we had a laser show here when I was very little on Kings Road in St Leonard's where I now I live near to Kings Road now yeah. and I remember one of those contrasts why do people go to things I remember 
remember one year they said they had a laser show. And I remember as about a six or seven year old, this is very early 90s, thinking it was one of the coolest things I'd ever seen. And what really made it was they had a PA system that was blasting out the theme to War of the Worlds whilst the lasers went off. And I just thought it was incredible. I, I spoke of nothing else for several weeks afterwards. I still remember it. The next year, and it was packed. There were people everywhere watching it. The next year, I remember my dad saying, let's go to King's Road late night shopping because that's what it was for it was for the mm. sort of the event and we went the next year and there was no laser show oh, and there were about eight people dear, dear, dear. i know and no i depressing. speaking of depressing christmases indeed but no the lasers. So, so when it comes to lasers I'm, i had a nicer experience as a child also i was very small it probably wasn't even that good i just remember <laughs> it being like the like the future like you say Yes, well, more cheerfully than the Oxford Street lasers mm. in 1978, Mary McCartney mm. has made her directorial debut yes. with a documentary about Abbey Road Recording Studios, telling the story of its history with film clips, photos mm. and interviews, including, of course, Sir Paul McCartney, who, by the way, when asked why he favoured Abbey Road over other studios, answered rather bizarrely, <laughs> all the microphones work. And yes. that was it. That was his answer as to why he, he liked Abbey Road. <laughs> I would have lost that quote in the edit, I have to say. Anyway, Jules, Elton, the Gallaghers, uh, Paul, Ringo, Film Archive. How, did you gain any new insights into Abbey Road from Disney Plus's If These Walls Could Sing? I did, weirdly, actually, yes. And this is the point where I bore everyone by saying... Well, have in you the been there? Of a, yes, I was going to say by staying, yes, because I have been. To oh, I'm very sorry, I won't, I won't very go envious. on about it again. I am sorry. I sound like well, Uncle Albert in Only Fools and Horses during the war when I went to Abbey Road. <laughs> but, um, no, I, I, I really enjoyed this. Um, I did not know... Insights I did not know. I'd never heard the story of Shirley Bassey singing Goldfinger along oh. to the credits and how she almost passed out at the end because she had to hold the note, and as she put it, the credits just would not end. <laughs> she, was having to, she was having to sing to what was happening. I thought that was so cool. Other things I did not know, that Lady Madonna was recorded on the same piano that Mrs Mills used. I thought that was an excellent little insight that I had no idea. And, of course, Paul McCartney then cheerily bangs it out on the piano. Um, I thought this was great. I, I thought that the... I mean, I went through the usual thing in my, my head of, oh, you know, what a surprise, what a coincidence that Mary McCartney, uh, you know, stepdaughter of Paul McCartney, he gets to make this film but then I thought actually the advantage of that was she got access to everybody didn't she it's like Claire Balding doing the horse racing <laughs> she knows everyone you know they, they, they people feel comfortable because it's her isn't it they got access to everybody that you wanted to hear from I thought the talking heads were really good actually I very much enjoyed the Gallagher's differing memories of what happened that was a really interesting insight into yes that was they, funny yeah, yeah. In, into you know not just the fractured relations between them but the sort of frailties of human memory really um i thought noel gallagher was particularly interesting and he, he's one of those people who's deeply annoys me at times but is capable of great insight and his talk of the 60s is the forward-looking generation because who wants to look back on the second world war i'd never quite thought of it that way before i thought that was really clever um I thought the film was well directed. I thought it worked well in being largely in chronological order. I thought it was really interesting to see all the different kind of things it was used for. One of the things that really stuck with me that was sort of sad, but a great record at the time was when we get to 2021 and we see Celeste and we see the orchestra recording. Mm. Of course, they're all socially distanced, aren't they? Because it's 2021. So when oh, you see the orchestra so playing, cool. they're all sat in lines, aren't they? In like sort of squares. Oh, gosh, that didn't and occur to think, me. Well spotted. Goodness me. 
you know, what a time we've lived through. Yeah. What what um, it really documented history. Also nice to see Kanye West at a time when he wasn't mm. in such a decline as well. Um, I, I the only thing that annoyed me about this, and I feel bad mentioning it. I, I mean, I don't know if I just hate voiceovers in general, but when uh, it started with Mary McCartney's voiceover that I thought was really uh, stilted and sounded like it was being read yes. from a script, I was like, oh, this is going to be this is going to be so annoying. Yes. And then and then it went off for about 45 minutes and then she came back and lulled into a full sense of security. I just didn't think that really worked. Having said that, the way the film moved was very sensible. I thought I thought there were great contributions. Giles Martin had a lot of really interesting things to say, I thought. So and much like it feels like a companion piece to the the Peter Jackson get back films and like those films I probably could have done another hour of this I think I could I could easily I'll always want to know more because I am just such a fan of all of the music and, and everything there I'll always want to know more about it so so I really enjoyed this like I say a couple of things that irked me about it but it, you know, I didn't notice the time going by. There was always something else that came in. There was always, you know, Pink Floyd, or there was, there was. Uh, I love the fact that we saw Felicuti and we we heard about that as well. I thought it was great. I really liked this. Before um, uh, several people tweet you and send you abusive notes, um, Mary McCartney is in fact um, Paul and Linda's firstborn. Oh, it is she? That was the, oh, uh, sorry, my the, apologies. Uh, my apologies. Um, but if, was, if you've already taken your tweet, please do delete it. Yes, <laughs> yes please do. Um, I thought it it was very well directed and compiled, but mm. I do have my usual comment. It's the opposite to you. I thought it was too long. Um, oh, okay. And, uh, uh, yeah, I thought now would have been ample but that's me i say that about everything so you have no uh, attention span so that's uh, where we are um yeah some things we knew the story about a day in the life and burt bacharach uh, pushing Scylla with multiple takes of alfie but you're right there were still very good new insights film and stills i hadn't seen before and Mm. i can never get enough of shots of studio two at abbey road which you've been so lucky to have been in um and with that staircase up to the control room and all that that means um yeah the the interviewees uh, varied a little bit the gallagher brothers um didn't offer much but dear dear kate bush in audio yes. only clearly again clearly reading her notes but reading reading beautifully of course yes yeah. jimmy page very good value with that story as yes, you say it about was. shirley bassey unusually as well i thought roger waters was kindly yes. and humble yes, uh, talking was. About recording dark <laughs> i remember us criticizing him on the podcast Absolutely, as i watched him yeah. as was gilmore as well they just seemed like really nice blokes david gilmore and roger waters were both interesting and came across yeah. very well filmed separately of course as were the gallagher's as you mentioned i mean overall all a recommended watch from my point of view and clearly yours as well mm. um, and I, I, it's so funny i made a bullet point and it echoes exactly what you said mary mccartney does a good job including some woodstock style um triple yes. screens but i think she needs to work on her approach to voiceovers it yes. it, it was something that stood out she very it much was so flat as so if, flat. Yeah, she was you know read the, the thing is if if you're the the art of it is is that if you're reading from a script, it's such a skill to acquire to mm. read, but sound like you're not reading if you see. What yeah, I'm exactly. Saying. I completely agree. Quite mastered that. No, what? but 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 other aspects of the film were excellent. So right. so you know, well, it's just a note rather than necessarily a, a root and branch criticism. If These Walls Could Sing, it's available on Disney Plus and it's released on uh, different dates all around the world. But mm. the date of recording, which is the 7th of January 
2023. It's released in the UK and USA, and that's, as I say, on Disney+. Plus. Coming next, The Guardian's ongoing quest to bring kindness and cheer into everyday life. That is beautiful, man. (laughs) (laughs) That's right, after Moondog. back into spotify again this year and um like itunes iMusic which i've used previously it throws things at you once you finish listening to what you're listening to and i have to say spotify's algorithms are top notch i I think even compared to iMusic they are almost frighteningly good in terms of what they pick for you to go on next it's a it's a better dj than i am sati in terms of reading mood and reading reading things like that and and and, um this was thrown at me recently i was making a, a morning playlist that i call early start and this was thrown at me and of course i started to recognize it and then when the saxophones kicked in i realized that this is was sped up and sampled by um mr scruff on get a move on um which okay. was used on stuff all the time um but i i really like this i i didn't know where it came from and it's lovely to hear the root of that uh, birds lament by moondog First of all, what an amazing character. Quite the life, if you look yes. into this fellow stuff. I hadn't heard it before. I really like that. It reminds mm. me of Philip Glass and that is well, yes. you know, hypnotic and rhythmic. I yes. really did like it. And and again, I could have done another couple of minutes of that. It's too short, isn't it? Yeah. It, it, is, it is too short. And also, I was very relieved because I sent it off to you and then I thought, oh, no, it's an instrumental. He hates those. But uh, yeah, I'm no, glad no, that I, you got through it. I give a pass to this one. Thank you. Um, it's only a few um, short weeks ago since we talked about the Guardian's list of 53 ways to add cheer to your life as winter looms. Which, which we were very discombobulated and rather bemused by, if I remember correctly. We, we were indeed, because it included wearing a cardigan, talking to yes. strangers in queues and walking backwards. Mm. Well, 
Their obsession with promoting odd angles of positivity continues Mm. this week with their latest piece, 52 Acts of Kindness, How to Spread Joy in Every Week of 2023. Mm. It's by the freelance writer, the well-intentioned Emma Beddington. Who, by Uh, the way, was the author of the brilliant uh, blog Belgian Waffling when she lived in Belgium, which is, is not up now, I think, but it was an essential read of mine for years. It was actually, it used to make me howl with laughter at my desk she was she's a very talented writer and she's written a brilliant book called we'll always have paris as well i have a signed copy of this signed to someone called fred given to me by a friend called dan who just obliquely described the 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 inscription as a misunderstanding and i love the fact (laughs) i don't know how that how we got to that but anyway i'm a big fan of emma generally so so i was interested to read it because i like her a lot reminds me of my story of when graham nash um signed his autobiography to me and spelt my name wrong and i was too embarrassed to tell oh him. bless him and i have a wrongly spelled a version of terence from mm. graham nature no i i accept all intentions are good here but like mm. the previous guide i have to take issue with some of the advice um out of the this is less mad than the previous guide uh, guide i would say in venice um that may be your view i would say <laughs> i would say at number 14 for instance for instance pay a compliment this is what uh, emma says pay a compliment you're looking nice is good you have great skin or i love you love your shoes is better uh someone once told me emma says that i have cute ears and i treasured it for years well Jules and Emma, this is where I think I, I, I do take issue with. <laughs> if I were to approach a woman in 2023 in any given high street cafe or pub and say to a woman that I'd never met before, you're looking nice, you have great skin and I love your shoes, I can predict with great certainty that what awaits me is a night in Police custody, whilst various <laughs> charges are placed before me, it's a bonkers idea, George. Well, it might, it might be. I hate to point this out to you because I know that you yeah. like things to be either black or white. Yes, but indeed. I would say that context is everything here. Uh-huh. I think, and I think that you might need to have the conversation first before you then bring this in. I wouldn't necessarily. Oh, you don't just open. stroll straight. I up wouldn't to open someone. on That's... this. No, I don't think I would open on this. And I agree with Emma in the sense that I had a friend at law college who, when we were sat at computers typing when we were about 21 looked over and said to me do you know you really do have a perfect nose and that was 17 years ago and i can mm. still remember it thank you Alice Humphreys. and I it's still perfect to this day let's well, that's too let's kind. thank you no, I, I, that was not a fish but thank you Alice Humphreys. <laughs> i hope you're well but um but yeah i i you know i wouldn't open with it um i yes anyway Oh, no, I, I get the drift now. I see. I, I just had this vision of like striding up to someone in Weatherspoons. And, yes, um, I, I mean, know, and I, again, I context is everything. Right. I also want to ban um, Emma Bennington's suggestion number 16. Make well, a you want to ban everything. Oh, you, do, you, yes. you, you go on about being liberal and believing in freedom of speech. But ultimately, if you're given an opportunity to ban something, you take it straight away. <laughs> oh, my benevolence is very limited. And yeah, seems it. Anyway, do go on. Number 16, make a mixtape. Back in the 70s and 80s, when one started mm. dating someone, um, yes. someone someone new, of course, it was considered quite romantic to put together a mixtape or compilation, yes. as we called it back then. We didn't call them mixtapes. Um, right. Of some of your favourite tracks and present it to the girl you were wooing. And it took time and effort and felt like a sweet thing to do. Exactly. 
The trouble was the girl in question felt an obligation to give you a tape back. And girls uh. in the 1970s <laughs> listened to Leonard Cohen and Nick Drake <laughs> and Nico and Janice Ian. And of course, you had to say how lovely. And yes, indeed, let's play your cassette in the car, even though you wanted to throw it in a tent. <laughs> so, and of course, now, Jules, with your Spotify and your YouTube, you can create a hideously uh, depressing playlist in a minute. So, no, a mixtape is not going to spread joy. Well, I very much disagree on this, Seti. Oh, I can give you, I know, I can give you some anecdotal evidence, yeah. particularly during the lockdown era, yeah. where it was difficult to put things in, that we didn't want to put things in the post, didn't want to overload people. So Spotify became very useful to make playlists on. And I, for my friend Grace, my friend Grace is called Grace Fletcher Hackwood, which is a very long name, it has to be said. I discovered how very long good it writer. was. Very yeah, good writer. Yeah, excellent writer, yes, and a very dear friend of mine. And I, I was very, intre- I was very, it became very apparent how long her name was because I decided in order to to to, to do this uh, do this for her, uh, her her birthday, I made her a Spotify playlist where if you read down the first letter of each track, they spelt out her name. So obviously it's quite a long playlist. <laughs> I mean, you know, it's, it's it's longer than my friend Tim Hook, for example. But um, but it is it's it was a, and I sent it to her on the day of her birthday, and she said it was just she said. She's like, what a great idea. Isn't this the nicest thing? I made a tape, an actual physical tape from my friend Timothy Robert Scullion or Timothy R. Scullion, as he became, who loves Stereolab by using a different Stereolab song to spell out his name using it. I did it as well for a friend of mine. I tried to get through her name twice, but couldn't. So she became Susan McNally, Susan McNall, which she was very decent about in the circumstances. Nothing, and I also recently made a, a one-hour radio show, a bespoke radio show for a friend of mine for for their birthday, and they have not stopped going on about it ever since. To the point where where I went round there for New Year's Eve and had to dissuade them from actually putting it on for us to listen to because oh. I said I really do not want to sit in a, a room in a party and and listen to my own links. That's really not good. But something like that really does spread joy to people. They know that you've taken the time to think of them and they love it so think again sir t i suppose okay. I, guess, I guess and i guess that it was work for me and that no, no, not many people tend to send them back so actually a friend of mine did make me one recently it was great but um by and large i i'm if you give rather as always sir t giving <laughs> rather than receiving can bring greater happiness and enlightenment in the end okay well there are others i would pick up okay. on but allow me to conclude with number 19 which is be the office secret Santa all year <laughs> round. Leave a box of biscuits or a cake in the kitchen or put bars of chocolate on your colleagues' desks anonymously, then secretly enjoy the happy buzz it creates. Happy buzz. Emma, mm. how you don't know anything about office life. <laughs> this is tantamount to love bomb stalking. Most people in offices would be immediately suspicious if chocolate bars started appearing on their desk. They, they, they would oh, think, yes. Is this some kind of horrific motivational thing from that creepy finance director? Or is that woman from HR trying to poison <laughs> me? Jules, <laughs> an, an anonymous edible gifts left on desks or in office kitchens. It's not a joy spreader. It's plain weird. 
I see the desk thing. The desk thing is odd. Yeah. I would find that strange, although I would eat it anyway because I would just always <laughs> eat chocolate regardless of what happens. But having said that, I work somewhere where gradually more people are starting to come back to the office again, and we do have a communal. I wouldn't even uh, I wouldn't even say it was a kitchen, a kitchenette. I think, although brilliantly, every room in our building is labelled with a number. So so we work in. Uh, this will never stop bringing me amusement. That I work in room one hundred and one, and the kitchenette <laughs> is labelled room one hundred and one A recently someone rang for me and was told I was in a meeting in room 87 which I was because that is what the toilet is is, is labelled with that with that thing so yes if I'm in a meeting in room 87 I will get back to you but not immediately but um, but yes yeah, so so we have a kitchenette and actually people occasionally do bring things in and leave them in the kitchenette and that does spark joy actually people are all like oh someone's brought some donuts in that's nice I mean in, in the run up to Christmas it was like a sort of a running buffet where people were bringing in and I quite liked you know typing a lease going over and having a graze from whatever was in the kitchen and it did bring some joy i think so but but targeted targeted love bombing yes that is strange i agree with you see i never eat um any i always have concerns anything that anybody <laughs> brings into an office i always worry about their levels of hygiene and but they're you, usually they wash things their like, hands well yes but they're usually things like uh things in sealed packets so like oh, well, okay. someone's bought a tray of donuts from the co-op opposite oh someone, that's very different i thought someone's it was like, bought like a homemade plastic stuff that's what i would no make. i think i think it's like i think well certainly the, the approach we take in our office is you know i'm going out to the car at lunchtime oh look there's some flapjacks in a plastic thing i'll buy those and take those over to the office so that that's that that's generally what happens i i, I yes i think i'll exclude those from my okay, uh fine. Yeah, i'm so glad to be able to report to you from the front line of how the world actually works so I'm yeah, always, it's, I'm it's, it's very interesting yes yeah, so, yeah i didn't realize these things went on out there um mm. yeah there are some things on this i do really like actually may i just say you may that, that many of these are really good because they they sent around volunteering which i think is really nice oh right um, yes there were some uh, good ones Yes, and I very much enjoy write a postcard. Find some postcards. You probably have a pile running lying around somewhere and write to people you haven't spoken to in a while. Tell them you're thinking of them, share a memory or thank them for something they did for you. I love that. I did that during one of the lockdowns and it was great. And I brilliantly, about six months into COVID, I when you know everyone was really peed off, I had a postcard from Paris from a friend of mine who lives in Brighton, who sent it from Brighton, who said, I can't go on holiday at the moment, but I will not be denied the joy of sending people postcards from holidays i can't go on so so to have a postcard of paris from brighton brought me a great amount of joy i i um, had a postcard it's been a bit name dropping here but i had a postcard once from julian cope mm. as well um a pop star. yes and it unfortunately went to my neighbor by mistake oh no and he came around. And this is the problem with postcards. He came around and said, uh, "Oh yeah, I've not been. But you, look, you've got a postcard. It's from Julian Cope. Um, you know, the, the, <laughs> the, the, the pop star. And look, he says, look, he's um sending it from Avebury. And look, this is what he said. Uh, well, yeah, but you know, that, that, this that's, isn't that's, your business. Yes, exactly. Yes. point. I've taken a gin postcards ever since. Maybe you could put it in an envelope. Yes. Oh yeah, that's true. That would work. Um, I feel that you need me to give you practical solutions yeah, it's, it's, just it's, for your it's life, I think. Very, very helpful. In fact, you could be, in fact, my sort of guru, which, funny <laughs> enough, yes. <laughs> coming yes. right up, the proliferation of truth tellers, online mm. gurus, and the self deification of Russell Brand. That's yes, next quite. after Monk's Road Social. Like a little kiss. 
a wonderful, ever-changing collective of musicians,、mm. with the the mainstay being Dr. Robert of the Blow Monkeys, along with here, amongst others, Mick Talbot of the Star、mm. Council, and of course Paul Weller on vocals. It's a new track from Monks Road Social, Rise Up Singing. I enjoyed that, and I also enjoyed the sort of the who's going to pop up next kind of chaotic <laughs> elements of it. It's like who's walking past today that we can get to pop in. Where were they recording? I'll go there and see if they'll let me be on it. It seems it seems quite a quite gang. Yes, it is. I think it's a lovely idea. And、um, but、um, oh, in related news,、um, mm. we were out for a walk down a lovely country lane in Ripley、mm. on、uh, nice. New Year's Day, and Paul Weller's neighbour nearly ran <laughs> us over. Pushing <laughs>、um, wow, it、okay. down this country lane and sort of like careered into his drive and into、wow. his、uh, farm, which is right next to Paul Weller's place. And I, I can't hold that against Paul Weller, of course. I, I mean, even you cannot hold that、no. against Paul Weller, surely. But yeah, But it, I, well, it, it, I, it provided some interest on a country walk <laughs>、yes. on New Year's Day. I can say as we leapt、uh, you're, into you're the woodland. You're an anecdote machine. The、oh, postcards、no. from Julian Cope, nearly、yeah. run over by Paul Weller's neighbour. I will read your. Memoirs, they will be great. Name dropping is is just my day to day life. Oh, I know. This is even better than the time I queued up behind one of Corner Shop in the co-op. But anyway. Oh, and, and、um, crossed the road opposite a ra- the Radiohead bloke in Oxford. I think. Oh yes,、know. indeed. And was bumped into by Bob Mortimer on a zebra crossing outside、uh, Tunbridge Wells Station、It's、once. Not it was very apologetic. Exactly. They walk amongst us. <laughs> Or into us, in Bob Mortimer's case, us, yeah, still, yeah, exactly. Back in 2004, when Russell Brand was waving a microphone at rowdy audience members in Big Brother's Big Mouth, it would have been difficult、hmm. to imagine his rebirth nearly 20 years later、yeah. as a spiritual influencer. And this seemed even more unlikely after he used his BBC radio show in 2008 to bully the elderly actor、mm. and. Sacks、yes. and humiliate Sacks and his granddaughter. Many careers, by、Appalling. the way, would have been over. Yes, perhaps.、Uh, I think if that incident happened today, it, it possibly would be.、Yes. Instead, Brand seems to have gone through a transformation period, which included、um, in 2015 readers of Prospect magazine voting Brand. Wait for this. The fourth most influ- influential thinker in the world, and Prospect is usually much more sensible than that. I'm very, very disconcerted by sensible centrist Prospect going down that route. That seems very worrying to me. He was beaten only by Thomas Piketty. Yanis Varoufakis and Naomi Klein,、um, which now, makes more sense, really, doesn't well, it? Well, yes, Still, I, I would have put Russell Brand a long way <laughs> below. Yes, wouldn't, yeah, wouldn't you? Absolutely. Now he speaks mainly online these days and espouses、mm. COVID denial and conspiracy theories. Jules, why the hell does anyone listen to Russell Brand? I don't know, and I don't know. So I find this all very disconcerting because it's 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 sort of semi it's it's subterranean worlds that we might not necessarily have any idea about. I've got to be honest; I didn't really know he'd reinvented himself as a as a guru, or I did know, but it had passed me by, or、mm. I just filed it for 
further use. Um, the ever excellent Helen Lewis has done a series on Radio 4, some of which I've heard, which is really very oh, good, okay. called The New Gurus, which is looking at, at what's going on and basically self-described truth tellers like Russell Brand. And as we've said previously on the podcast, this sort of never-ending appetite of humanity for snake oil just continues on. There's nothing new under the sun, is there? So I can't remember what the Latin is for that, but you know what I mean. So, so, uh, And I think I didn't really know the extent to which he was dwelling in worlds like a Jordan Peterson, for example, and people like that. Yeah. He seems to be in this really weird conspiracist sort of world. And I wonder, I, I, it worries me because I think, well, I don't really know anything about that world because I haven't sought to, well, I haven't sought to seek it out, um, you know, but he's not, none of this happens on TV, none of this happens in the mainstream press particularly, um, the only reason I've heard this on the radio is because Helen Lewis has done a documentary about it, there's always this debate over whether or not you should give these people the oxygen of publicity, whether or not, and we've debated this previously around the freedom of speech, should you just leave these people under the rock where they are? Or, but are they under a rock? Are there lots of people that watch this online? Am I, you know, the Skinner from The Simpsons? Is it me? Is uh, am I out of touch? No, it's the children who are wrong. You know, do do <laughs> I do I know? Just you know, it could be that millions of people watch this online. I don't know how big this is. I don't really know what we're dealing with, and that's what's frightening about this kind of conspiracist sort of sentiment that goes beyond. That goes beyond critical thinking. I that that goes beyond. I mean, I you know I support citizen journalism, but it goes beyond that because some of this feels like it doesn't have a factual basis. That it is just Russell Brand on God knows what ranting in a basement into a webcam somewhere, and then all of a sudden it starts becoming. It, it, people give it credence, and I find it I find it really strange. Russell Brand seems to have spun off into a very strange world for me. And you say that that the Andrew Sachs thing should have ended his career and didn't. It, it it sort of did a bit though, didn't it? He doesn't get invited on to stuff, does he? Mm, I don't see him true. very much on things, and he seems to have spun off into this kind of weird sort of tangent. Uh, yeah, I just find this I find this whole alternative world really frightening because I don't know what I'm dealing with. I don't know if I should take it seriously or not. I don't know how much it's happening outside of my sight. Uh, this will sound mildly patronising to Russell Brand, but I suspect mental illness plays a big part. I in mean, and I and I and I yeah, and I think that that was possibly uh, uh, again, without sounding patronising, possibly a, a, a sort of lifestyle consequence mm, if you see what i mean so, yeah, I, I suspect that younger things went very, i yes, think he should be put away. in the same bracket with david uh, ike and other yes. eccentrics you know yes. that, uh, but i think but, but to what extent do they stay eccentric or to what extent do they become jordan petersons and have book deals and start getting invited on stuff that's my and, worry. And potentially mildly dangerous i think yes. that um he, he because he's a charismatic figure and looks mm. the way he does yes i think yes. particularly a lot of young people yes um you know, idolise him perhaps in the same way as you know uh, musicians, uh, yes. and so on because of his uh, because of his, the way he looks. But um, I'm interested to see how, whether or not young people genuinely do because we often joke on this podcast that I am the token young person. Mm, I'm not young, are. particularly. I'm approaching forty. You know, and I'm not. <laughs> I'm not young in the way that a nineteen 
21, 23 year old is. And of course, Russell Brown was first making a name for himself when I was that age, when, when you know, where you'd see him on Big Brother's Big Mouth or, or Little Brother's Big Mouth, whatever the hell it was called. So, and he was presenting the Brits. I remember leaving law college in 2006 and a quite a sensible friend of mine that I knew through um, Amnesty International. I think I met her through that and we still keep in touch from time to hmm. time. Um, had gone to Uganda, I think, and she would reference the fact that Russell Brand had spoken quite articulately on Comic Relief about, you know, if you if you you know if you someone said I need fifty people, I'll die in Britain on the street. You would, you know, if someone you knew, for example, or just someone that you knew of, mm. you would do that. And he was he was quite articulate. I remember her sort of she's quite level headed, but her saying that she was quite impressed by him. This was 15, 16 years ago. Yeah. Is this still relevant to younger people? Is this yeah, still who is listening to this? Who who is this audience? I I don't know. It's it's uh, but yeah, I do find a it a worry. Yeah. Uh, the fact that I don't know, I find the fact that I don't know about this a worry. Yes, I, I I do take your point. I see that. I mean, it also highlights how, um, as you mentioned earlier, uh, how gullible we can all be when looking. Yes. I think when we're looking for comfort or answers to the yes. meaning of it all. I mean, life is very confusing. Oh, it is. And it seems easy for gurus, in inverted commas, to gain both our trust and, of course, as you as you inferred, our bank accounts um, from, from from the Maharishi with the Beatles mm. to the latter day yes. evangelists that crop up on an ever-growing number of TV channels and, and yes. offline outlets. Um, it's such a terrible shame that the understandable, I suppose even the noble quest for it, of course, the noble quest for enlightenment yes, is exploited by these grinning gurus whose only genuine motivation is to get cash to help. Yes, In their absolutely. words, to, to see the word of the almighty and, of course, then use that cash to buy huge mansions and yes, private jets. exactly. It, but it's not dissimilar to the tele-evangelists of the states, no, I'm, is I'm it, including really? them in this, yeah, very yes. much. And these these people are not using using God, but um, but no, I I completely agree with you. But and and actually, it's, and when you talk about you know, I'll keep particularly about sort of understanding people's kind of quest. Mm. There are aspects of the British media that I find deeply frustrating. So I can understand why people would sometimes want to look beyond the mainstream. I absolutely get that. Having said that, though. Um, well, not having said that, you know, think, thinking about why people go that way. Of course, this has been exacerbated by the COVID era, hasn't it, over the last three mm. years and a time of deep, deeply rooted trauma and, and, you know, the world completely changing virtually overnight and having to deal with that. And I can see why people are more vulnerable than ever to wanting to, to, to being exploited because they want they want to know what is happening. No, exactly so. It really is very sad that uh, at a time when many people need help and these yes. so-called gurus, they, they offer so much and give so little and exploiting yes. people's fears and grasping at their money. Absolutely. I mean, I have no time for any of them. No. no, agreed. Thanks very much for listening this week. Good to have you along. I echo the sentiments of my, uh, of my uh, lovely colleague there. I'm very much always lucky to be here. Now, if ever there was a delightful online guru. It's Juliet with her Sunday <laughs> radio show. I was going to say, I, I, maybe I should start asking people for money. I haven't done that yet. That's a good idea. Maybe this is a new income stream. I somehow don't feel that easy listening music from the 70s is, is an income stream in 2023. <laughs> but who knows that the day is yet young. Um, I do a radio show uh, that Terence very kindly points out on Noisebox Radio called Smooth Sailing. Um, it is basically easy listening, M-O-R-A-O-R, Yacht Rock, calm stuff for a Sunday 
Sunday evening. Old shows on Mixcloud. If you go on to Mixcloud and look for Noisebox Radio, you can find our channel on there with old shows. But in the meantime, if you'd like to listen live, it's 7 to 9 p.m. on Sunday evenings on noiseboxradio.com. And it's really having that handy, having that catch up uh, yes. service as well. And, it is. Um, there's, there's, there's one or two really um, more than one or two, but the one or two really good shows on there that I really mm. like, including your colleague Louis Barth, who I think is yes. an excellent presenter. He's brilliant. He does a show called Barth Nights that Barf. follows mine, um, but he also does a roller skating jam called Saturdays, which is great as well. But um, yeah, I love Louis. He's, he's very good and value, yeah. He's great, and he follows Smooth Sailing on Sunday evenings, and I always enjoy. He always does a sort of a little handover type thing where he he will sometimes play something. At the, a version of something he's enjoyed on my show or something he's a lovely colleague i am i, I love working with louis he's great um jules when terry hall died just before christmas it was amazing to see the genuine outpouring yes. of love for him yeah there was genuine grief wasn't there he's been so involved well he just seemed to find a path through music for a very very long time didn't he He was always doing new projects there were always things about him that were so interesting i love the fact that he worked with damon albarn quite closely because i think of them as being quite similar in a way in how they approach new projects that they work on and they they have worked together um on various different things um and i was very very sad to hear of his death he'd done some djing here in hastings which I couldn't go to sadly and everyone I knew seemed to have a photo of them and Terry Hall together apart from me he had a reputation of being a nice man um I love all of the music that he's made I it was difficult I wanted to play something to mark his passing but I couldn't I couldn't decide between everything I nearly went with Chasing a Rainbow off home which I absolutely adore but I decided I'd go with this because I think it's one of the greatest pop records that one of the greatest songs that's ever been produced in Britain I continue to be to have so many emotions about the fact that it remains relevant and is perhaps more relevant than ever to where, to the mood we have in Britain at the moment and the, the managed decline that we seem to be going through. It's number one for several weeks in 1980. The uh, the very appropriate soundtrack of the Brixton riots. Uh, the special is led by Terry Hall, and this is Ghost Town.
You've been listening to a Parish Council production.